Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Year ending, season one ending, Christmas edition. <laughs> Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Jay. How about yourself? Can't complain. Um, you know, busy <clears throat> time of year for everybody, I'm sure. You too. And I know we've had trouble uh, coordinating a time to where we can uh, kvetch about things. Um, right. But here we are. Well, and, sorry to be uh, so difficult this time around. Well, I think it's it's the time of year curb, uh, you know, and in, in the interest of being charitable this time of year, uh, you know, we get it. Curb, um, I thought that it might be, you know, everybody else is probably doing year end review type of stuff and or, you know, looking forward to next year. Or, you know, I just thought, screw all that. You know, we're blazing our own trails here, as you know. I thought it might be interesting to talk about some of the things you wanted to talk about, um, but also where I would just hit you with some questions and uh, you just uh, give me your off the cuff response. Sounds good since I'm uh, ill prepared for this podcast. So you lead the way. Okay. Yeah. I, I think if one thing I've learned uh, working in a public company, corporate politics is you never say things like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, so, you know, you're, you're not going to get far. Um, well, right now, right now we're a company of two. So hopefully I don't have to look too far around behind my back. But I'm thinking back to your maybe your days with uh, was it Arthur Anderson. That'd be Ernst and Young. Ernst and Young. Uh, that was probably a response you gave and it probably didn't get you real far. <laughs> I learned quickly to to keep my mouth shut on those kind of discussions <laughs> back then. Well. Uh, now that you're a professional podcaster, maybe it's time to relearn that lesson. Fair enough. Kirby. We're, we're keeping it real here, aren't we? I mean, that's we're, the whole uh, thing about I agree. Right? We, we do keep it real. Um, I, I think there has to be a, a certain level of, uh, uh, you know, smoke with the mirrors. Kirby, uh, question, num- question number one. Did you notice in Pietro's Filippaldi's recent interview regarding – and don't you get tired of these articles kind of written like, oh, so-and-so is really interested in IndyCar? Well, it's a slow time of year, and I think they fill it up by being a uh, open-wheel racing job board. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like one a week. Yeah, yeah. he's working on something. Um, yeah, you get so my name out there, the, and I'll help you fill your uh, article quota for the week. Correct. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's a, a quid pro quo kind of type of thing. Um but I I think maybe the Fittipaldi thing has some legs. I think the Fittipaldi coin connection probably has some legs from what uh, my industry sources are telling me. Really? But did you notice in that obligatory article that somebody has to write for him that he um, admitted that when he was driving an Indy car, he did it with a broken leg and was on painkillers? And my question to you is, can you drive a car on painkillers? Is that legal? Um, you would like to think that uh, he did so in consultation with IndyCar medical personnel, but uh, you never know. It's kind of like uh, the guy in football that doesn't want to lose his job, so he plays through the pain, right? Yeah, painkillers. Right. <laughs> That's I what mean, I'm saying. No, I mean, you, you, you do it, you don't ask. But you can't drive a car out on the street impaired. Why, why can you, and look, and by the way, this is a no, I, I'm all for it. I think everybody should drive on painkillers, but the point is 
uh, in this, like if it's totally illegal and, and you know ab- abhorrent to society to drive uh, impaired on the street, uh, how is driving uh, a you know car 200 miles an hour on a closed race course with in close confines of other cars doing the same acceptable? Well, I'm no expert on painkillers. I'm going to assume that maybe there's some uh, that impair you less than others, um, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he check these things out with the proper uh, authorities, for lack of a better word. But if he didn't, again, you go back to the uh, age-old story for athletes, right, that want to keep their jobs or um, even when they're hurt. Just like Oliver Askew played through pain for a couple of races before he had to finally take a seat. Okay. But isn't it a dumb thing to say in an interview under any circumstance? I'll say yes. Thank you. (laughs) Moving on, Kerb. Boom, boom, boom. Here we go. Here we go. Keep up the pace. Did you, yeah. Did you notice Fittipaldi uh, IndyCar connection was that he's interested in coming this year, maybe with Coin in in 2021. Okay. The connection here with Porsche is that they were a viable candidate for the third engine manufacturer until they decided to go another route. Um, so did you notice in their announcement where they are entering back into IMSA? Um, that, that uh, they referred to uh, several types of propulsion for their cars, and their new label for combustion or for traditional engines is emotional combustion. What kind of combustion? Emotional. 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 I mean, the the sadder you get, the harder you cry, the faster you'll go. I mean, what's what does that mean? Okay, well, I was, that was my question to you. You've put it back on me. I will. I, my interpretation means that it's almost like sentimental combustion, like we're being sentimental about combustion engines. Therefore, it's an emotional thing with us that we want them to make noise and to consume fuel. So rather than saying like traditional or what have you, combustion, they're calling it emotional to to play on your uh, tug on your heartstrings. I think because they, you know they refer to all the other hybrids and 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 you know total electric vehicles in the article, um, and so when they get to the combustion part, now it's emotional combustion. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go there any further. Well, I I know what you're thinking, and so it's just a sign of the times, right? Seems and, Orwellian to me, but anyway. yeah, well. Wow, we could have a whole different podcast on that, but that's, uh, why, that's, that's why I yeah, tried to stop. I, yeah, I know. He's he's alive and well amongst us at this point, Mr. Orwell. Um, but yes, I, I think it's it is a sign of times. It's just one of those things where I just roll my eyes and it's like, ah, oh, just just another little chip away at what's left of my sanity. Right, I hear you. All right, moving on. How do you think Lewis Hamilton? I'm really By the way, gonna, I do yeah, have a topic. If, if you want to break at some point, I do have a topic. So just let me know when you want me to throw it in. Thank there. you for uh, cutting me in mid stride there, Curb. Excellent. Um, yes, there'll be t- there'll be time for you to come up with things. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I don't know how I'm going to tie the IndyCar uh, thing in with this one, but um, use your imagination. I'll work on it. How is Lewis Hamilton? going to bounce his social justice crusade, his 
impending negotiations on his new contract and the potential salary cap that F1 is going to put on drivers um, in his mind. Well, don't forget, uh, he's starting up an Extreme E team as well. So he's really got a lot on his plate. Right. I, I think the obvious tie to IndyCar is that, you know, if he can't come to terms on a contract that's acceptable to him to drive an F1 car, he could always, you know, use IndyCar's leverage for uh, for uh, his negotiations. Yeah, him and Vettel. Right. Vettel, Grosjean, Grosjean, Magnuson, all those guys. Uh, I'm sure they all, and, all, and their agents, of course, all think of... Uh, of IndyCar as a viable alternative, and they can use that to leverage higher salaries out of their F1 masters. Kerb, you're, you're, you're as usual, brilliant. Um, you've stumbled upon the answer. Uh, that's right. That is the IndyCar tie-up. He's going to use – that is how – that is going to be the glue which allows him to wake up in the morning and feel okay about himself. I mean, just, think, that, what, just think what an Indy 500 victory could do for his resume. And social justice. First black man to win the Indy 500. Couldn't yep. do much better than that, could he? Nope. I mean, it, it all is coming together the more we talk about it. Yep. We just need that and about $150 million, and it's done. Maybe that's why Team Penske is preparing a fifth car for the 500. Ooh. Tongues are wagging. It's all coming together. Kirby, you did mention Mr. Grosjean, or as you pronounce him, Grosjean. Um, Lovingly. Affectionately. Yes. Mr. Grosjean has this thing about how he needs a final ride in an F1 car. Have you been reading this? I read it at one time. I think I read that uh, Toto was going to accommodate him, wasn't he? Well, he said he would if nobody else put their hand up. So just take a step back and say, what is that all about? Why, why does it? He's, he's ridden in an F1 car, you know, hundreds of times, thousands, if not thousands, probably thousands. Why does he need a final run in an F1 car. Why does he demand that? And I, I, I think Haas is basically saying, well, we don't have an extra engine, so sorry. You know, obviously any of the teams could do it if they really, really wanted to, but what has he done? Who, Who is he that he feels like that needs to happen? And if he feels like that needs to happen, you know, for his own, you know, career and, and mind frame, then why doesn't he just go pay for it himself? Back when he was talking about trying to return for the last race of the season, I think his point was he didn't want to go out that way. He didn't want his last memory. He wanted to get out of an F1 car on his own, you know, on his own terms and not uh, in the middle of a fireball. So I think that was kind of the sentiment, again, when he was trying to make it back for the last race. I haven't heard if he's really been pushing that since then or not. No, no, he has. He, he, he's been pushing it beyond that. And, and, and I was then, just then, like, what, what the hell is that then, all? then it's going a little far. Yeah, exactly. It's it's incredibly. I mean, like I said, if it's for his own mental frame state, I mean, first of all, I, I don't think he's getting back in an F1 car in a job anytime soon, uh, ever. Really don't understand what that's about. But, you know, what it really is, is the IndyCar tie. Again, we've tied it back to IndyCar. So he's not going to get that. So maybe he can get that ride in an IndyCar. And where else could he get closer? Yeah. I mean, where, where, where else could you race since he lost of Armco along the side of the road? <laughs> exactly. Sentimental about Armco as well. Of course, you know, as long as you don't go to Watkins Glen, I guess he's safe. Okay, next up. This isn't a question, Curb. This is more of a of a comment. All right, let's hear it. So, Curb, we have this uh, podcaster that we sometimes tangentially refer to on this podcast. Um, yep. I, I think you know who I'm talking about. 
Rob Lowe, right? <laughs> it's not Rob Lowe, the other one. Okay. Okay. And I think I'm done. I don't think I can listen anymore. But no, when I was listening. I applaud you for hanging in there so long. I know. But when I was listening, one of the listeners wrote in a question to him, which was wide open, which just said, you know, tell me about, you know, your background and career and how you got where you're going. And then there was a second question that was kind of also along those lines, which he read. And imagine my fear knowing what was going to come next. Because you only had an hour to your destination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly. afraid you wouldn't get to the end of the story? Kerb, he took 18 minutes. I, I had to go in time. I, I fast forward through it, but I, I kept hitting that uh, thing on, on my phone, which, you know, forwards at 30 seconds. Right. It took forever for me just to keep pressing. And he was still going and still going and still going. 18 minutes. And and the detail and the false modesty is, is as he is famous for uh, was was there in its in all its glory. It was amazing. I can I can hear it now. You almost have to go and listen to it because you you no. your head will explode. <laughs> no, I don't. Your head will explode. I, I really don't. I mean. I'm surprised. He, I'm, I'm impressed you could stay on the road hitting the 30-second advance I, that often. I, I could just see him sitting there at his desk, you know, sucking in the air and, you know, just and, – and, oh, my God, just a little – I didn't listen to the whole thing, but you just listen to these little bits and pieces and just what a what an amazing journey he's been on. Well, oh, my God. That's how you find yourself at the center of the uh, IndyCar Silly Season every year. I'll tell you, Curb – this podcast has to become bigger. Has to. <laughs> well, I don't know. We got some real competition. I, I, uh, I have another podcast that I listen to, and you don't, and um, about IndyCar, and, uh, and I'll just go out and say it. It's the uh, Hinch and Rossi podcast, and uh, for two weeks running now, Hinch has not been able to make the show, and they've been the best. Hinch and Rossi podcast I've heard yet. <laughs> I believe that because <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's Rossi unfiltered and it's very fun and very entertaining. I could, I, I could actually see that because, you know, Hinch, you know, for what it always has to be the class clown, right? He has to be, you know, Mr. Class clown. And I thought, by the way, I thought he did a really good job when he was doing the t- television commentating over the summer. I thought I he did. I, I thought he did really well, I agree. Um, but he, you know, he's, kind of backed himself into this you know always got to be the class clown in the corner thing and or on this podcast he has to be the explainer so every time rossi gets started he'll say wait wait we got to explain to everybody <laughs> and it just kind of kills the the role yeah and uh and in these two shows rossi's been much more uh honest <laughs> in his responses to issues or talking about different racing issues and um and he actually stayed on racing topics a little more than when he has Ross, than when he has Hinch on the show too. It's been enjoyable, and I have nothing against Hinch, but uh, it's, it's it's been a good turn. That's why I value you, Curb, so much. You keep this thing rolling, right? <laughs> I, I try to stay out of the way. Yeah, you keep this thing rolling. Okay, Curb, uh, on to 
you want to throw a topic in here, or you want to? I, I, I've got two topics, but you want to throw one in uh, just to uh, kind of. I'll, I'll give you a break. You can uh, kind of regroup and okay. refresh for your last uh, push. Um, you know, when the IndyCar schedule came out, uh, was that in August maybe uh, for next year? Yep. And of course, the schedule's already had one change. Um, yep. But we we touched on it briefly, but we didn't dwell on it too long. Um, I think we kind of figured everybody else was complaining about it, so why? Why follow suit? But um, I've been wondering, with the loss of the uh, Iowa Oval, what does that do to Joseph Newgarden's championship chances? It's it's not it's not good news to him because you know that was something he could always count on to be very strong at. He he's going to be a very strong contender next year. That goes without saying. You know he can do it without Iowa. He's the short oval master. Short oval, but certainly he's certainly the Iowa master. That's true. No, I'm sure. I, look, I'm sure he, he was one of the drivers that's like, man, I'm sorry to see that one go. Yeah. And then I'm sure there's other drivers, none of them springing to the top of my head. Would you say Dixon's one? That is probably like, yeah, I'm okay with that being gone. Dixon, Rossi, yeah, sure. Definitely helps the other guys, probably hurt, hinders him a bit. But uh, I don't think uh, the captain was willing to pay the price that it would take to keep that one on the schedule. Can't blame him there. He's been paying the price up and down since last uh, January. 70 to $80 million, they say. And counting. Curb, I'm going to just, uh, you know, you did mention uh, the move, uh, the already altering of the schedule. I'm assuming you would agree with me that that was the only thing that made sense to move uh Long Beach to the fall because the way California is right now, there's no way they're going to be in any kind of unlockdown come April. No, totally. I mean, they had to do that for all the reasons you say for the survival of the event, possibly. Um, probably can't even go one year without it and one year with, you know, 25% or, or uh, whatever attendance they would allow. But I don't know if you noticed, but they just moved the Rose Bowl out of LA. <laughs> Uh, and moved it to Texas. So that's huh. how bad things are in uh, in California. That's how bad things are perceived in California. Right. Well, that's that's how bad it is for the people who live in California because the people in charge perceive things certain ways. Well, there's not many of them there because I can tell you they're all where I am right now. Is that right? Oh, my God. Spot them a mile away. Curb my last topic. And, and you know, if you have one, uh, throw it in. My last topic is um, – didn't get a lot of fanfare, but uh, very interesting to me that Carlin is starting an Indy Lights team again after a three-year absence. I don't know what that says. I mean, I think we all want to see IndyCar Lights uh, numbers uh, expand. Uh, I'm kind of glad to see him back in it. Glad to see him back in it. I just kind of saw a headline. It looks like they're partnering with Jay Howard's uh, development program. Who, if and, I recall, uh, you are a hater. Jay Howard, the driver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who do you hate more, Daniel Ricardo or Jay Howard? Oh, um, as a driver, um, oh, that's tough. <laughs> I'll go with Ricardo. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say. But uh, Howard a close second. Yeah, I've never really been able to get quite to the bottom of your hatred of Jay Howard. Um, Ricardo, I understand. I, as I've identified in a previous content uh, uh, podcast, he's the anti-curb. But <laughs> I, I suppose Howard is to some degree the anti-curb too, but less so. 
I could uh, espouse on that, but it, nobody wants to hear it. So I'll tell you some other time. Okay. Curb. Okay, here, here, real briefly, he cut all the at hell for uh, causing Scott Dixon's somersault um, yep. a few years ago with a 500. Horrendous accident. Yep. So everybody questioned why Jay Howard was even in the race, and he obviously wasn't qualified to be there, they said. And uh, and so at the banquet the next night, rather than explain why he was qualified to be in the race, his explanation or his plea for uh, empathy was, what you don't understand is this has been my dream my whole life to race in this race. That was his explanation for, for why he deserved to be in the race, because he'd always dreamed of being in it. It, it was just a poor excuse for an explanation and it was the horrendous time to give it sitting there on the stage at the banquet. So I've just kind of had a, an anti J Howard bent as a driver ever since, but it does sound like he's doing good work as a running a driver development program. I think running teams in the lower rungs of the, uh, of the road to Indy. And uh, now I don't think he's been up to Indy lights in the past. So partnering with Carlin, uh, bringing more entries to Indy Lights is good. I assume Carlin will make a few bucks doing it, and hopefully that'll keep Carlin involved in IndyCar racing. So there's hope for Jay Howard yet, is what you're saying. I didn't used to like Michael Andretti either, but I gave him credit, so there you go. Curb, if uh, people, you know, people say you're somewhat rigid, um, but you know, here you are showing that that's not the case. We can all grow. Mm, God, I hope not. <laughs> Curb, uh, we're we're past our time limit. I would just like to uh, wish you and your family a very merry Christmas and happy New Year. Uh, same to you, uh, Justin. I hope uh, you and all your family. I uh, hope uh, your brother and his family have a good week together, uh, celebrating the holiday. Um, merry Christmas to to them. Merry Christmas to your mom and the rest of your family. And, well, you can uh, imagine the uh, stimulating conversation my brother and I will have over the fire over IndyCar and several drinks. <laughs> well, it'll be stimulating, but not for the right reasons. I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, but uh, and uh, real briefly, a shout out to uh, to my twin uh, granddaughters, Addie and Lily, who will be three tomorrow. So. Wow. I got your. Uh, your daughter's uh, Christmas card today. Did you? Yeah. She does a good job, doesn't she? She does. The kids, the dog, the house. It's uh, it's right out of uh, it's pure Americana. Pure. It's she. That it was. That was that, man. That was it. Well, here I can announce on this podcast. Are you ready? Okay. Grandbaby number three is on the way. Oh, you are kidding me. I am not. Today was the uh, doctor appointment, and everything was good and all clear, and I think, um, I hope I'm clear to uh, announce it to the world. He wants a boy. I'll take ten fingers and ten toes. uh, No, I know what you'll take. I'm just, (laughs) whenever I see number three, after there's been two girls and number three, I always assume somebody wants a boy. The two girls that we got are pistols, and uh, I've been blessed with daughters and granddaughters and sisters-in-laws so it's all well the, congratulations uh, to them that's just fantastic news yeah. broken here on uh, much on like my predi- much like i told people that perez was going to uh, red bull uh news is broken here as uh, a second time breaking news here every week 
we uh, get together. That's it. All right. Well, everybody, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Take care. Mm-hmm.